I gave special recognition to my wife, the mother of four children, um, almost functional four children, and uh, give recognition to my mother, uh, Mama Rosalie, and um, so two two of the ladies that have taken turns <clears throat> bossing me around most of my life, and uh, but Alexandra's picking up the pieces. Now, if you have your Bibles, I thought we would just start with Matthew chapter 1 and work our way through to the maps. <clears throat> a long day. <laughs> Now, I'm going to press on your biblical knowledge and assume um, that we are all reading the scripture on a daily basis and we have a pretty good grasp of the Bible. And if by chance somewhere in this narrative you find yourself a little lost, I'll I'll try to give some declaratives so that we have uh, working definitions and if you'll just stay with me, we'll, we'll find out what the Bible has to say. Now before we read, let me just tell you that there are particular laws that God set in motion Sir Isaac Newton made us aware of them, giving them defined recognition and maybe um, a few um, names or identifiers. Law of gravity, there's a law of inertia. There are laws that when certain things are set into motion... They create other emotion. This can be derived from the law of harvest. Whatever you plant, you reap. Don't be surprised if you, if you're looking for an orange, but you, you really planted asparagus. It's more than a different color. It's a different seed. So in motion, we create things. Oh, man. Moment you woke up today and you determined to be in this house, you set in motion something. You probably have no idea what you set in motion, but there's just a rumbling going on. And the enemy heard it even though you did not. You set in motion things when you lift up your hands to God and surrender praise and worship. You defy the very rudimentary desires of the flesh when you open up your mouth and give him praise. You you do something when you earnestly call on his name. You set in motion things that, that give birth to other things. Amen. Okay. Let's read the Bible. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. And Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac, Jacob. Jacob begat Judah, his brethren. Judah begat Perez, Zara of Tamar. Perez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Aram. Aram begat Abinadab. Abinadab begat Naasan. And Naasan begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And finally, Jesse begat David the king. And for a moment I preach the final word of a determined mother. Amen. Let's set something in motion all the body of Jesus Christ today. Just put your Bibles down behind you and set in motion the angelic host and welcoming the Spirit of God for His already anointed word. Would you do that with me? Right now in the name of Jesus, we lift up our voices, our hands, and our hearts. We pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon this house. Hallelujah, Savior. Hallelujah, Savior. Amen. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone close by and just tell them how glad you are to be close by them. Thank you for letting me be close by you. Amen. Thank you. A little transparency here. Just at least on my part. There are verses in the Bible entailing a list of Old Testament names. All of which are both difficult to pronounce and easily forgettable. Uh, Numbers... Chapter 26 is the second census which was taken and the tribes are numbered, the names are mentioned, but I I don't remember them. The New Testament also begins in an order revealing the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, I read it to you, which simply means that Matthew begins with the lineage of how Jesus came to be. But even in Matthew chapter 1, some of the names are not easily remembered. Joram, Ahaz, Salathiel. They're not common names. They're only found once or twice maybe. It is interesting that the genealogy of Jesus Christ begins with Abraham who was given the covenant and then he broke away from the plight of his own ambition he He would be called the father of many nations, Abraham. And from Abraham to David, there were 14 generations. And from David to the captivity of Babylon, there's another 14 generations. And then from Babylon to the birth of Jesus Christ, there's a third 
14 generations. It's all there in Matthew chapter 1. But when I read the opening lines of Matthew 1, I'm introduced to Abraham and then to Isaac. And Abraham is the called out one. Isaac is the seed of the promise. And then to Jacob, who desired the birthright, he he would later be renamed Israel. And in other portions of the scripture, Yahweh, Jehovah, is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No doubt these are the big three. Even today, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham believed God with no evidence or proof. and He moved by simply obeying the voice of the Lord. Isaac was the willing son who laid down on an altar atop Mount Moriah. He, he also uncovered the wells that his father had dug. He obeyed God not to leave even in times of famine. And then Jacob sought God at a place called Peniel. It was an intentional meeting with the Lord. He wrestled all night for a blessing. He could not even determine what it should be. They, they are all found in likeness. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It has a good ring to it. I, I'm familiar with it. People are. And to this day, the Jews and Christians alike will refer to God in terms of ownership with these three names mentioned in their correct order. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. But the lineage seems to make a break from the norm at that point after Jacob. Now it seems fitting that the firstborn son would be the next in line, or even the second son would rise to the occasion as Jacob did over his older brother Esau. But the break is far different than the normal order of fathers to the oldest son. Or even to the second. Jacob had 12 sons and two wives. Rachel, the beautiful wife, and Leah, the undesirable. (laughs) Yeah. Now in our world um, today, this is a troubling term and Tammy's already shaking her head, so I won't look at her while I say those next few lines. You're you're not supposed to say that they're undesirable. Weak-eyed. Homely. Or they've got a good personality. (laughs) But it might be true. (laughs) Perhaps. Rachel was the pretty one and Leah was not. And Reuben was the firstborn son of Jacob. But his name is not mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Simeon is the second son. We might assume that if Reuben wasn't there, then maybe Simeon would be right to fit into the biblical pattern. Jesus was the second Adam. The blessing of Ephraim was given over Manasseh. I quote, his younger brother shall be greater than he. Simeon is in the pattern, but his name is not found in Matthew chapter 1 either. 
Leah had several sons. Rachel had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, but neither of them are mentioned in the family tree of Jesus Christ. It seems strange to me in so many ways, especially concerning Joseph. None was as noble as Joseph. All of Jacob's sons will produce the tribes of Israel. There's the tribe of Levi and Simeon and Asher, Dan, Gad. There's more except for Joseph. Joseph is not even a tribe. There is no tribe called Joseph. His two sons will occupy his place. And yet Joseph is the Old Testament type of Jesus Christ. If anyone should be in the lineage in Matthew chapter 1, it seems fitting that Joseph is the most qualified. He garnished the love of his father. His father gave him a beautiful coat. He was mocked by his own brothers. He was sold by his brothers for silver. He was wounded in the house of his friends. All of it embodied Jesus Christ, the typology of the coming Messiah. He was stripped of that coat and it was soaked in blood. And in the end, he saved his brothers, the very men who betrayed him. So when I read Matthew chapter 1, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my analytical mind has already determined and assumed that Joseph is the next logical person in line of this open display of the ancestral descent of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Joseph is not named there. Instead, Judah's name is found. Of all of them, Judah. And in review of the life and deeds of Judah... It's hard to think that he would be the one included. I'm prone to join the chorus to include Joseph and not Judah. Judah was one of them who conspired to betray Joseph. Judah, yes, he tried to save the life of his brother, but but his idea was to sell Joseph off into slavery. And I read, Judah said to his brethren, what profit is it if we should slay our brother? And conceal his blood. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren, they were content. Oh, how kind of you, Judah, to sell your brother as a slave. Then comes, uh uh-oh, Genesis chapter 38. Which is one of the most sordid stories in all of the Bible. Perhaps all the sons had some type of failure, some tale of dismay. The Bible, our Bible, singles out Judah's very sordid tale without regard to his reputation. It will not hide him. I'll be discreet today in my description of Genesis chapter 38, but it tells it plainly. That baby Perez, he came by way of Judah. He was Tamar's son. Judah was his father. Tamar was not Judah's wife. The whole thing is rife with deception and hypocrisy. There is adultery and lewdness. The Bible reveals it all. Judah is the main character of a lustful intent and disregard to the law of God. By the time the chapter ends, Judah is found out. His deeds are uncovered and a cloud of shame permeates the air. Tamar has his signet ring and his staff and he has no place to hide. She's having his baby. Judah even said, she is more righteous than I, which is stooping pretty low. It's a chapter of debauchery. Happy Mother's Day. Isn't it a wonderful Mother's Day sermon? Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) 
Yes, Judah will intercede on behalf of his younger brother, Benjamin. And yes, he will reconcile with tears, repentance before his brother, Joseph. Upon the grief of his own father, Judah will offer himself as a prisoner exchange for Benjamin. Yes, but his character flaws far exceed that momentary fear of losing yet another brother. So why Judah, ladies and gentlemen? Why is his name found among all the sons of Jacob? How did he make it entry? How did he get into Matthew chapter 1? Surely his inclusion into the genealogy of Jesus Christ has very little to do with his character. The answer is found in the final word of a determined mother. Oh yes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah... All of them in order, racing toward King David. The Bible calls him David the king. Judah, the son of Leah. Leah, the rejected wife. (laughs) The one that had weak eyes, not pretty, not comely. The wife, the mother, who so desired to be loved and accepted, but never found her place beside her husband, Jacob. Rachel, her sister, was always more welcome. She always had the honor, but Leah, she had the desire, but she did not have the honor. Rachel had her appearance, but, but, but Leah, she didn't, she didn't have anything, but, but, but the want to be included. And in her attempt to gain the love and recognition of her husband, Leah had a son. It was the greatest gift any wife could give her husband in those days. A son meant the continuation of the family name. A son was the perpetuation of the inheritance and heritage and history and endowment and all things pertaining to a fixed birthright. Leah offered Jacob something he could not find in any other place. Her motherhood was a blessing, but given all of that, and I barely scratched the surface of a son's biblical significance, the fulfilled Abrahamic covenant found in Leah, all of that, given all of it, Jacob was not drawn to her. There was no favor, and she knew it. She had no acceptance, and she felt it. Leah had her firstborn son and she called him Reuben. Reuben, here's the Bible. Leah conceived and bare a son and she called his name Reuben for she said, surely the Lord had looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. He will love me. He'll embrace me. He'll be thankful for me. The Lord has, has saw me. He fixed my situation. I'm a mother. All is well. Jacob will love me. My turmoil and emptiness will go away. I will be loved, she said to herself. So I'll call him Reuben. But it did not work. Leah was a mother, but she wasn't loved. So to fix her situation, she prayed and had a second son. She called him Simeon. She said, I've been hated, but now surely I'll be loved. But again, at the birth of the second son... It didn't work. It was just a repeat of the first. Leah's focus was on the acceptance of the here and now. She needed some fulfillment. She thought motherhood would fill that because she thought that would bring her satisfaction. Finally, she had a third son, Levi. Here's your Bible in Genesis 29. Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. To the Hebrew people, three was a number of completion. It was the lesser of the number seven, but it was always a number of completion. It was a high and lifted up number. Three sons should have made all the difference to her husband. Now I have given him three sons and now I will be loved. 
But all of it was to no avail. It was inward focus. Leah was holding sons, but no one was holding her. And when it all failed and fell apart, this mother and wife, this woman of rejection and dismissal, rebuffed, pushed aside, excluded and spurned, Leah finally stopped focusing on the human connection and she turned her attention toward God. There was a determination in her heart that she would change her focus. It needed to be so. Finally, she had a fourth son and Leah named him Judah. Judah literally means praise. Here's the Bible. She conceived again and bare a son and she said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and she stopped giving birth. Finally, after all the disappointments, I can't get his attention. I'm not getting any approval. I'm not being warmed or welcomed. Finally, I'm turning my attention to God. I'll name him Judah. I'm going to praise the Lord. She turned her rejection into praise. Ladies and gentlemen, do not dismiss the power of praise. Because praise is the only remedy for this life. I want to tell you about a determined mother. And I submit that Judah found entry into the prophetic line of the kings. Because a mother determined to change who she was and how she would live. It was not because of his own goodness or righteousness. His character is well exposed. He did not have good character. But the birth of praise changes the course of everyone's destiny. Something was set in motion the day that Leah finally turned her attention toward God and said, I know I'm not getting what I need here, but I know that if I turn my attention toward God, I'm not going to seek for your approval or your approval. I'm not going to get welcomed by you, but I know that if I start to praise God, something's going to change. I tell you, little do you know how things can change in your life when you just lift up your voice and say, I love you. I praise you. I don't want to, I don't want to submit something today that's not real. I know you've got trouble. I know we've got heartache. I know we've got pain. And I know many of you have walked in. You put on your dress, your suit, your tie, your church going outfit. But I will tell you, I know there's some dark things and some hurts and pains in your life. I know that when you leave here, it's not all going to be right. But for a moment, why don't you set something in order and say, it may not be right in my normal life and it may not be right on Monday, but today on Sunday, I'm going to turn my attention and cry out Judah because the birth of praise changes everything the birth of praise changes the destiny of people praise is the first step it's like pushing over the first domino and then it collides with another. And by the time it's done, there is a long lineage of wonder and power and might and beauty. Praise comes from the heart of desire. It comes from a determined spirit. It does not come from what's happening outside. It's because you decided to praise him. And when you decided to praise him, sometimes it's in spite of what's going on in your life. 
I don't always walk in here feeling great and feeling good. I might be smiling, but I might be boiling in the inside. I may be hurt and wounded. But when I come into this house, I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. But, and sometimes it's just because of obedience, because I know that's what I ought to do. But while I'm following obedience, I'm pushing over something and I'm setting it in motion. And when I set it in motion, a destiny starts to change in my life. Hear me, saints of God, you will never produce what you need on your own. You're never going to produce it. You're never going to produce it through another vacation or a good weekend or a fun time or another car, boat, ATV or whatever you buy. But when you turn your attention to God and say, I'm going to birth some praise in my life. When you focus on the Lord and your heart's desire is found in worship, something set in motion. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Abraham, I got him. I get it. Isaac, I don't know, man. You, you lucked out. <laughs> Not so great. Jacob, you're a deceiver, but he'll change your name. Man, I can deal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when I get down to Judah, nothing's drawing me to Judah. When I start looking at his life, nothing's drawing me to him. What makes him so special that he got included and he leapfrogged over all the other brothers and he got past Joseph and Benjamin and everybody else? Why? He's not the firstborn or the second son. He's not the son of the favored wife. He's not even the son. He's not even the third son. He's got bypassed. He's the fourth son and has really no significance. I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm Mama woke up one day and she said, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm going to bring forth something that magnifies the Lord. I'm going to bring forth praise. Because from Judah, we're going to get to the king. And the king is going to lead us to the almighty king. Jesus was found from the tribe of Judah. The sages of old and all who would follow him would come to call him the Lion of Judah. Well, that's taken right from the book of Revelation. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Leah, with an empty heart and a life full of disappointments from a father who would give her away and give her in deception and a husband that didn't want her. Leah finally turned her attention to giving God praise. She thought that motherhood would solve the problem, but the answer was not in mother. The answer was an determined mother that produced some praise and some glory to her God. And she had to say, are you with me, everybody? She had, are you with me now? She had to say, this son is not my attempt to be accepted. This son is the beginning of my recognition. Recognition. That the Lord is worthy to be praised. This world is wrapped up in the false notion that family and gain will fill the void in your heart. That's not true. The scripture bears it out. Praise is the answer. It's time for some determined people to turn their attention to the one who can satisfy. He's the only one. You see the greatest thing that mothers can do and all the church can do as the mother is to give God praise. Because when we do that, you set things in motion. 
You're not fixing your situation. You have not fixed it yet. But I know what you can do. You can give God praise. You can give him glory. And you'll produce something. Watch the scripture now. Think with me. Jacob is on his deathbed. He's about to die. He gathers all of his sons around him. And on his deathbed, he'll pronounce a prophetic word over each of his sons. Some of those words are not very good. They're unsavory. What will become of them is uncertain. It's clear that his words are inspired by God. For instance, Jacob prophesies over one of his sons. His name is Gad. He says to Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at last. A troop is going to overcome you, Gad. It's, it's, it's an odd statement. No one even really knows why he said it. A troop. When did a troop ever overcome Gad? And when did he ever get the victory over them who at first overcame him? Here's your Bible. Mark chapter 5 verse 1. Jacob has no idea what's about to happen happened. They came over unto the other city of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, the Gads. And when Jesus was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Mark 5, 9. Jesus asked him, that man from Gad, what is thy name? And the man from Gad said, my name is Legion, for we are many. A troop overcame him. But when he found the Lord, the whole, the whole, the host of, of the army of God, when he found Jesus, he overcame him. Jacob is, is in prophetic, prophetic utterance 2,000 years plus in the making. But when he gets to Judah, in spite of Judah's deeds and conduct, the things that he has done, this word that Jacob speaks reaches beyond the man. And he says to Judah, Genesis 49, Judah, your brothers will praise you. It didn't happen in his lifetime, but it's happening today. Judah, he's like a lion. He crouches. He lies down like a lioness. Who dares to even rouse him? Verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. All of it in stride of the prophetic word of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah. His garments are dipped in blood. So says Revelation 19. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. From you, Judah, will come the king eternal, immortal, the only wise God. It's set in motion. Something is set in motion. Paul will write to the church at, and, and, and he'll write to Timothy and he'll say of the mystery of the Godhead. He'll reveal it. He'll say without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. He will say God was manifested in the flesh, Jesus, justified in the spirit, Jesus, seen of the angels, Jesus. He was preached unto the Gentiles, Jesus. He was believed on in the world, Jesus. He was received up into glory. Jesus she did not know it but the day she turned her attention to him and to you and start focusing on the Lord she set something in motion and pushed something over and said I'm going to praise him and I submit to you that when I got to Matthew chapter 1 and I read of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob and I got to Judah, I had to look over at Leah and I say there's a mama with an intentional desire. She has a determined spirit. Yes. All right. I got a few of you, but you don't get it yet. Because when you get it, you're going to start something different. 
than what you've been doing. You've been trying to please a lot of people. But you haven't focused on pleasing the only one that matters. You see from praise, from Judah, comes the Alpha and the Omega. He becomes your Alpha and Omega. From your praise, Judah, will come your advocate. You won't have to defend yourself any longer. He is the Almighty. Isaiah will call him the arm of the Lord. When you rise up to praise, he'll become the author and the finisher of your faith. He'll never begin something in you that he cannot finish. He won't give you a word and the word is going to, it's going to come to fruition and he'll finish it. The Bible calls him the author of eternal salvation. Here's your Bible. From Judah comes the blessed and only potentate, the bread of life, the beginning and the ending, the bright and the morning star. So when you rise up and say, I've come here to praise God. I don't know what everybody thinks about me. He's the captain of salvation. He's the chief shepherd. He's the consolation of Israel. His name shall be called counselor. He is the creator of all things. He's the day spring, the day star, the deliverer, and the door. He is the elect. Isaiah called him the everlasting father. He is the faithful witness. He's the first and the last. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the good shepherd. He's the great high priest. He's the great physician. Anytime you need any help and you don't know where to go and the medicine's not working, you say, I give you praise. I give you praise. You're pushing something over and it's manifested in your life. Let me tell you where that's coming from. That's coming from a determined spirit. Just right now, just think of your trouble. Come on, think of your heartache. Think of your prayer request. Think of it right now. I give you praise, Lord. Now, what's in my mind is the struggle that I'm going through. But I just want to pause and say, I give you praise, Lord. I give you glory, Lord. My mouth is filled with praise because you are the head of the church. You're the head of the body and you are the healer. Lord, you're the heir of all things. This is in your Bible. He is the horn of my salvation. He is the I am that I am. He is the image of the invisible God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's a just one and Jehovah and he's a judge of Israel. And when I open up my mouth to praise, I'm invoking him. Hey. From Judah comes the king of the saints. Comes the king of the Jews. From Judah comes the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Reuben didn't work. Simeon didn't give me any help. Levi and three sons did not complete me. So I'm going to praise him and I'm going to give God glory. And from that came the introduction of a birth and a lineage who we know now as the lawgiver and the lamb without spot. He is the light. He is the light of glory and the Lord of glory. 
He is the mediator between God and man, the Messiah, the only begotten son, our Passover, the prince of life, the prince of peace, and the prophet of all. He is your redeemer, the resurrection and the life. He is the rock, the rock of David, the rose of Sharon, the savior of the world. He is the son of the highest. He is the truth. He is the word, the witness, which was, which is, and which is to come. He is the way maker. He is our keeper. He is our hope. He is our refuge from storm. He is the power. He is the glory forever and ever. Amen. All of that. And there's an infinite description that spans the breadth of time. And so when we walk into this house or when you wake up in the morning, that's what you've got to do. I've got trouble and I've got anxiety and I've got stress. But today, I'm going to praise the Lord. Today, today I'm going to determine that whatever comes out of my heart and my mouth It's like a creation. Genesis comes out of my mouth. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him in your sanctuary. I'm going to praise you, Lord, in the midst of my trouble. I'm going to praise you in the midst of my storm. At midnight, Paul and Silas were bound in a Roman jail. They began to praise God. And praise introduced Jesus into the prison. Let me just tell you, he never fits in the prison. He just burst out. When you get him in, he he cannot just stay in. When you begin to praise him from a determined spirit. I, I want to say to all the mothers here today, you're not going to fix everything but you can walk around your home and begin to praise God you might have said I I wish I could change a few things you're not going to change what temple means but if you begin to praise him something changes in your home and in your life there's a domino that domino is being pushed over and when you do that you're setting something in motion I feel in the Holy Ghost I should say this to someone here today you've been complaining about many things You need to change your complaint to praise because your complaining hasn't got you anywhere, but you're stressed out because all you do is complain. Oh man, I'm not trying to be offensive. It just comes naturally. You've been complaining and mumbling and grumbling and finding everything that's wrong with everything around you. Stop that. Stop that. All you've got out of that is Reuben and Simeon and Levi. You didn't get, you didn't get to Jesus. You can't get to the king through Reuben. You can't get to the rose of Sharon through Simeon. Levi's never gonna, he's never gonna lead you there. But when you get to Judah and you begin to lift up your hands and praise God, he's gonna lead you to the king. First he's gonna lead you to the king of David, then he's gonna lead you to the king of kings. a lot more but I wish you would get this in your brain we are saying the wrong things we are speaking the wrong words we are not doing what we are what we were built to do you were made to praise the Lord just just stay right there for a moment We've talked about it so much that we think it's an isolated moment in the, in the time frame of a song set. It is not what happens just in a song set. Three, four, five songs. That's not just when you praise him. You praise him in the morning. You praise him in the noonday. 
You praise him when the sun going down. I want somebody to hear this. You praise him when you're feeling good and you praise him when you're feeling bad. You praise him when things are going right and you praise him when your world is falling apart. You praise him when you're accepted and you praise him when you're rejected. And in everything you give thanks for that is the will of God concerning you. Wait a second, wait a second. Just stay with me. Don't praise him when he does something good for you. Because you forgot he's always doing something good for you. What you thought was bad, it's working out for your good. But you're so limited inside, you keep saying, how could this happen to me? Maybe God's constraining you just so you can get into glory. He might give you a temporary or an earthly trouble just to give you a heavenly eternal home. That that didn't go over very well. Let me do that again. You think your trouble is God's judgment against you. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's your opportunity to give him praise in the middle of your storm. I feel, I feel a word for somebody. I feel this for you. He's in the boat. He's asleep. But that's just in his humanity. Because the eternal spirit never slept. And they think they're going to drown and go down. And they wake him up. And they said, don't you care? Let me just tell you. If he's in your boat, you're never going to drown. You're not going down. No matter what it looks like. Oh... You have, to, you have to come to the final word. Here's the final word. After you get done complaining and bickering and murmuring and wondering where God is, here's your final word. Judah, I praise you, Lord. You see, we all birth something. We all birth something in our lives. And then collectively, the church, who is the mother of us all, the church has to birth something. We give God praise. Did you, did you change the political landscape? No. You're going to go yell at the, at the gas pump? Is that what you're going to do? Yell at it? Complain? Kick the thing? No, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You might be complaining the whole time. <laughs> but you know when you drive away? Praise God. You got more month than money? Praise God. I'm giving him Praise. Nobody likes you. Everybody's going to reject you. I'm giving God praise because you're birthing something. And what you don't know is you're creating a family lineage. You're bringing all of your family into the lineage and saying, I'm going to include them in the scripture. How do you do that? Because you are praising your God. You're giving him praise. Why 
don't you just exercise it and practice it right now? I praise you, Lord. I praise you because you're great. I praise you because you're good. I praise you because there's no one like you. I give you praise. I praise you. I have breath to praise you. I praise you on the cymbals. I praise you on the drums. I praise you with the stringed instruments. I praise you with my mouth and my hands and my heart and my life. on, do it right now. Out of your mouth, I give you praise, Lord. I wonder if there's anybody that had some trouble in their life this week. Just say, I praise you, Lord. I give you praise. You are the great God. I praise you for what you've done. I praise you because you've brought me through. I praise you, Lord, because you are the great God of heaven and earth. I praise you, Lord, for all the wonders and the miracles of my life. I give you praise, Lord, because you've brought me this far. I know you're not going to leave me. Come on, we're exercising now. This is an interactive worship service right now. You don't need me to say one more thing before you decide to open up your mouth. Yes, Lord, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Okay, I'm just going to give you a, a need. Gary and Rose Schweitzer needs a lot of prayer right now. And they're, in, they're, they're, they're going through a whole bunch of stuff. But I just want to say, I praise you, Lord, for being the healer of their life. I praise you for being the healer of Samantha. I praise you, Lord, for being the comforter of our spirits. I praise you, Lord, for helping us through all of the trouble of our situation. If there's anybody struggling, just climb out of your pew in your seat and begin to praise God. I give you praise. Lord, I give you praise because you bring back the prodigals. I give you praise because you're the healer of my soul. You got to stop that complaining and start praising God for who he is. Praise him for what you want him to be. praise you, Lord, because you're the lifter of my head. I praise you, Lord, because you're the joy that takes away my anxiety and my depression. I praise you, Lord, because you are the healer of my family. I praise you. Lord, I'm feeling a little lonely, but I praise you because you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I give you praise for it, Lord. Just something... Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Lord, I've been feeling kind of dry and empty and barren, but I praise you, Lord, because you are the river and you're the water. And you're the flow and you're the spring. Come on, change it right now. Change, change your vocabulary right now. Do not dilute this. Do not think of the simplicity of it. 
It's not elementary. It's what you were born to do. If you don't praise him, the rocks will praise him. Something's going to give him praise. Listen, the Bible says to repent of our sins, that we must repent. The Bible says to be baptized in the name of Jesus, washing away those sins. These are things that we can do in obedience to the scripture. Repentance is turning away from the past life. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all die. You'll all perish. Jesus said, you must repent. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Our perfect example was baptized in water. Ananias told the new convert who would become Paul, why are you tearing? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name, washing away your sins. These are things we can do at baptism. But when it comes to the resurrection, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we cannot give that to ourselves. This is how the Holy Ghost comes. It's not a magic trick. No one teaches you. When you lift up your hands and your voice and your mouth or your heart, and you begin to praise the Lord, you don't have to beg for it. You don't beg for the Holy Ghost because it is a gift to you. But you begin to praise him. As you praise him, you're opening up the windows of heaven. Now, if that's how we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how much more we receive everything else in our life when we begin to praise him. There are things you need you cannot give to yourself. You cannot provide for yourself. But when you begin to praise God, he does something in the supernatural realm. And he fills you with something you can't, you can't put in your own heart. So when we sing, send up Judah, what we're singing is, I'm going to send up praise because I know when I send that up, something else is going to come down. And if you need the Holy Ghost today, all you have to do is lift up your heart and your voice and begin to praise the Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your kindness. I praise you, Lord, for healing my body. I praise you, Lord, for healing my family. I praise you, Lord, for restoring my life. I praise you, Lord, for giving to me what I cannot give myself. Okay, I'm done. Let's just do a little bit of this. You got a few moments. You can get whatever you need right now. You can start the domino, set something in motion right now for your life. In the name of Jesus, we're going to give you praise and we're going to send up Judah. Today is a day we birth Judah. Come on, everyone who's determined, we're birthing Judah today.
Michelle was, Michelle's one of our new members. Today she said she received the Holy Ghost for the second time. <laughs> but she came in with a walker. But while she began to praise the Lord, she's dancing in the Holy Ghost and dancing right here. And we thank God for Dwayne and Michelle. Thank you, Lord, for healing. There's nothing when you begin to praise and there's nothing impossible. Let's have a shayam.